Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Forever Blue podcast, uh, hosted by me, Ian Cheeseman, and very much appreciate you listening. It's free to subscribe, so I suggest you do that so that next time we do a podcast, it will just drop into your inbox like magic. You can, of course, subscribe if you stumbled across this on either SoundCloud, where it's hosted, or on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. And uh, it's a Manchester City podcast, though we do talk about other football subjects as well. And most of the time we have special guests on who are from the world of Manchester City, whether they're a celebrity fan, an ex-player, ex-manager, somebody like that. Today, we're just focusing on fans and members of the Forever Blue team. And by the way, I've been thinking about bringing out um, T-shirts that say, it's great to be a blue on them. And I know a lot of people have shown a lot of interest in those. And I'm hoping to be launching those fairly soon. So keep a lookout for that. Um, first of all, I want to say a big shout out to Counting King, who are a company based in Salford Keys. And their uh, boss is, is uh, somebody I know very well, Gary. And it's a very fast-growing company. They specialise in R&D tax credits, which is research and development. So if you run a company, particularly a big company, that might benefit from uh, this specialised information that uh, either Gary or a member of his team can give you, you might be able to save loads of money. And they're very, very good at what they do. They also do business loans and stuff like that. So reach out to them, tell them that I sent you, and you might be pleasantly surprised. I think you will at the help that they will give you. And also a big thanks to Amar Development, who themselves are a business development and, and buildings development company uh, who do a lot of work in the Greater Manchester area, like the Pyramid, just off the M60. So big thanks to them for supporting the channel. Now, the, the three members of the Forever Blue team that I have with me today, uh, in the ether, I might say, because we do this by Zoom, um, are uh, Paul, who you hear from uh, quite regularly. Lovely to have Paul with us. Uh, Tony, uh, one of two Tonys, actually. Um, so this is Tony P, shall we call you? And also Toby, which will get more confusing when we start speaking later on. And we're going, Toby, what do you think? Tony, what do you think? And it, of course, it, very similar names, but two very different people um, in the best possible way. Uh, no, no, nothing negative in that comment. So those are the three <laughs> guests that we've got. Um, I, I must emphasise that this podcast is being recorded on the Sunday evening after City's one-all draw with Chelsea. Now, I've been reading a lot of stuff online, uh, and as you can imagine, after City slip, um, some people saying it was a point gained after being a goal behind to two points dropped in the title race, which is the other way of looking at it. Um, people do tend, when things don't quite go as well as you might expect them to do, to actually be arguably quite divided in their opinions. So if you looked at the YouTube vlog that I did after the game, Harlan, who's one of the uh, regular contributors on here, who'd previously expressed some uh, criticism of Erling Harlan, Harlan, okay, get the names mixed up, Harlan <laughs> and Harlan, um, but he'd, he'd actually been quite critical. And yesterday he went to town on the vlog, which has produced an interesting response. So if you look at the comments on YouTube, you see some people absolutely backing him up and other people saying he doesn't know what he's talking about. And I suppose that just illustrates really how strong the opinion is when something goes wrong and people don't like to hear criticism. I'm just flicking through um, something on my Facebook and if I can find it, I'll tell you exactly what's been uh, said by one lot of fans. But basically, 
there's there's sort of a a group of people who think you can't criticize and there's another group that say well what's wrong with it i can't find it quickly so i'm not going to mention it in detail but there will be people listening to this podcast who if we spend an hour now churning over you know why city didn't win and who was to blame and all that sort of thing we'll say that was very negative and you know city have won a treble last season and erling harland's you know grandmother uh, passed away so he wasn't quite right and doku's only a kid why having a go at him uh, you know and kevin de bruyne can't play exceptionally well every every week but if we don't actually talk about the game and actually try to pick out the good and the bad in every game, what is the first to talk about? Um, I certainly am not an entitled fan who thinks City should win everything. I don't go to each Premier League game thinking we ha- we will and we have to win and anything less than a win is unacceptable. I'm absolutely languishing in the massive success and the fantastic coach we've got and the great way that the club is, is run. It's just perfection as far as I'm concerned and I'm very very well aware of the fact that we're living through the absolute best times that this club will ever have but that doesn't mean to say we can't watch a game and go well that wasn't quite right and maybe that could have been done better and maybe that player didn't play as well as he could do and even Doku I noticed some quotes from him saying he could have done better and he'll learn from that so I'm not suggesting that our conversation is going to be negative to Doku, but if it is, then just remember that he's actually said that himself. So it's not just everybody. Everybody's self-critical as well as actually being critical of what they watch. So with that set up, that this is a Manchester City podcast by Manchester City fans who love the club, who are absolutely enjoying every moment of what we're watching at the moment, I think we're still entitled to have some opinions, which you might see occasionally from time to time, especially after a non-win, as being critical. And I'd like to think if Pep, by the way, was listening to this, you know, that he'd probably join in and, yeah, that wasn't quite right and this wasn't quite right. That's that's, that's life, isn't it? Um, Anyway, that's the setup. Let's find out what these three reprobates who are with me this week actually thought about the game. We'll start with Paul because he uh, was the first one to connect on Zoom. So we'll give him. The, it's like he's like he's, he got himself into pole position. So he's in pole <laughs> position now to give us his comments. So go on, Paul. What did you make of yesterday? Where City are at the moment? Well, first time I've been on time or early in my life. I think, as you know, Ian. Um, <laughs> listen, I I think the, the the term that's used is happy clapper. Um, which is the uh, for those that don't understand it is for somebody that basically blue tinted goggles on, no matter what city do, whether it's good bad, they will always support the club. They can't do anything wrong, right? Now let me get it clear: I am not a happy clapper. I don't know what you call me. I'm a, a, a realist, uh, a genuine fan, lifelong supporter, as all of us I think are on this podcast. Um, I go to the games, so I see it live, and I also see it a different version of it on the television because I like to watch them back. Um, you, everybody pays the money. Now, whether you pay for subscription, whether you have a dodgy fire stick, whether you go to the matches, you all pay money to watch the game. So everybody is entitled to an opinion. That's fine. 
opinions are great as long as they're backed up with facts. So you can't just say, oh, Docco had a nightmare yesterday and somebody say, why? Well, he's just rubbish, isn't he? he? Just, you know, that's not good enough. If you've got something to back it up with, great. If you haven't, say nothing. You know, you're entitled to your opinion, but why why create a problem on social media? Without without uh without foot football is very tribal. Um before social media came along, we used to watch the game. Now, whether you went into the pub after the game or you walked back to the car with your dad or your friends or whatever, and then you'd all the way home, you'd be chatting about the game. You'd listen to the radio. I used to listen to you, Ian, after the matches and stuff, and there'd be the phone-ins. That was the early form of social media. And you'd used to listen to the phone-ins, and it was such... Such you could tell the ones who've been to the matches, and you could tell the ones who hadn't, because they, if you listen to it or watch it, they're completely different. You've all got that opinion on what you saw. I mean, we we probably saw the game yesterday, and we'll all have different opinions on the same game that we saw, depending on what you like from the game, depending whether you like to be entertained, whether you want to be excited, thrilled. Or whether you, whether you want to sing, so the atmosphere is important. It doesn't matter. You've got that opinion. But, you know, City and the beauty of social media is we can get our opinions out quicker. And we saw what Harlan said. And I know Harlan. Um, he analyses games massively. He proper looks at the games. And if he's come out with a statement saying that City play better when Harlan's not in the team, He's backing, he'll back that with facts. He'll back it with facts. He won't just randomly say it because Ireland had a bad game. So I I value his his his, his opinion on it. It's as simple as that. We've all got opinions. We're all entitled to say them. But if you're going to go on social media and back it with something, don't just be a fanboy and don't don't pick on Haaland because he didn't score because you like Alvarez better. You want to see Alvarez playing in position. Just stay away from it if that's going to be the case. But yeah, for me, um, we're all entitled to it. We can we can say what we want. We pay our money. We take our chance. That's how I see it. You make some great points there, Paul. Um, that, that I, I've been writing a newspaper column today. I do one every week, which goes in the paper. And one of the things I was saying was that... Um, when I was hosting football phone-ins on the radio many years ago, most of the people that would ring into that show, obviously there were exceptions, but most of the people that would ring in were people who'd been to the game. And, you know, most football fans went to the game or at, very, at the very least would watch the game in full on TV if it was on TV. We've moved into a world now where particularly younger people but this doesn't exclusively mean younger people, actually watch games um, on text or you just see the goals come up on your phone or you watch a few highlights. And so you your form opinions on things not based on what you've actually seen. And the other side of the course is statistics. So as soon as you have any comment and or, or opinion about Harlan, so let's talk about him because that's what you mentioned him, you know, people will, will immediately close down any argument by saying, 
how can you criticise this guy? He got 50 goals and he played in the treble season. So that's it. Criticism gone. You cannot say anything against him. Now, if, as you so eloquently put there, Paul, that was that was brilliant, that opening segment. I really like that. Um, the difference is whether you agree with Harlan, you know, I know it's confusing, but if you, <laughs> whether you agree with Harlan or not, he will back up his comments by expressing an opinion. And I know Harlan sits there, stands there actually, and watches the game very, very intently. So um, my, for what it's worth, I think I've said this before, City have absolutely dominated games now for a season and a half. And so therefore, in, typically uh, City might create 16 to 20 chances in a game and the opposition might create two or three. That's not untypical. That, that's quite typical. And City might score two, three, four goals. That means of the 16 chances, only a quarter of them are actually being put away. Now, if Haaland or any of the others actually are the best in the world, in a sense, you'd think that they would actually score more goals. So I think the criticism can be fair. And obviously with Haaland, he's a specialist striker which some fans have called out for for years. But if you've got a specialist striker, arguably in the big games, not against the weak opposition, but in the big games, that is easier to plan for if you're the opposition because you know that Haaland is going to be in the box looking to score and he's not contributing anywhere else. Whereas the old City team that had Gundogan and Riyad Mahrez and, and, and other players had more... It came from all angles and so it were harder to stop. So there's a there's a whole lot we can talk about there. Uh, and no doubt we will during this podcast. But let me bring in next Toby. Toby, you give us your thoughts and, and especially on what you've heard from Paul. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with Paul, especially because I, I saw what Harlan said about Harlan. Um and um yeah, as as he says, he 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 backs up what he says with with the facts and and I I, I agree with him to a certain extent. Harland wasn't good enough yesterday, and there are games, especially big games. You know, people talk about how much he performs in finals. Um, what I would say about him though, I don't completely agree in that. I think he's a victim of his own success. I think when you score fifty goals or however many goals it was last season that he scored, you have an expectation at that point to then go and perform that again and it just doesn't work like that ultimately Haaland is still the top scorer in the Premier League um, he might even be the top scorer in the Champions League I'm not 100% sure um, so he's still scoring goals and you know you you allude to it there Ian about how a few seasons ago we were playing with no striker and it was more the City way and everyone was part of the team well, I remember back then when every a lot of City fans were complaining that we couldn't score the goals that we needed to score, especially in the smaller games. Well, now we flip to two years and we've got a player who's scoring a lot of goals in the smaller games to tuck opposition away, and we're complaining. So I, it doesn't, it, it works both ways for me. You know, yes, he, he, you know, maybe he doesn't score enough in the bigger games, but. I think his role as a striker is not just, as you say, to score the goals. He also will attract more of the defenders on the opposition team because they think he's going to be the target man. They think we're all going to put the ball into him. And we do. And therefore, it creates space for players like Bernardo Silva, like Rodri, like De Bruyne, like Foden, who's been on fire this season, by, by the way. 
Um, so I just I don't think it's just about those those simple things. And you know, again, talking about statistics and what you can and can't show on stats, that that right there, you can't put on a stat. You can't put the valuableness of a player in terms of Haaland freeing up space for other other players on the pitch. You can't put that on a stat. There's no stat for that. You can't say, oh well. So I I, I do think that there is it's it's very easy to criticize him when he has a bad game. Remember the kid's 23, like he's a, what he's, I think he's 23, a year older than me, which is crazy to think. And and how good he is at this level. The amount of goals he scored last season. We all call it the toughest league in the world. He's walked into it and scored the amount of goals he did last season. He's got hat trick in the derby for God's sake. Like he, he you know he had an incredible season and he's had an injury this season. Remember that as well. He's still the top scorer. Yes, he might stat pad, as some people call it, against a smaller opposition. But like I say, a few years ago, we were we were complaining and there were City fans, including myself, saying we haven't got a man up front, a target man, like Aguero has been for us in the past, who can just score the goals to tuck the opposition away. We were drawing silly games because we weren't scoring enough goals. And now again, we flip to this season and last season and we're scoring enough goals. But when he doesn't have a good game, when he doesn't perform, we don't score a goal when we need him to. It's on the flip side. What I would say, I don't want to talk too negatively because, as you say, it's, you know, although we, we haven't won, it's, um, I don't want to be too negative about the team. I, I just want to say, where would we be without Rodri? Because he is probably, I mean, obviously I'm 20, as I say, I'm 22. I haven't seen much football in my life compared to you guys. But if it weren't for him, we'd be nowhere. Um, and, you know, he has scored, he's probably in my lifetime, the, the, the most clutch player I've ever seen. He, he scores whenever we need him, we need him. He's he's there and it's amazing. So I'd rather talk about him than talk about Haaland, to be honest. But that's my, that's my just because you guys started on, that's my point about him. Well, his celebration, Rodri's celebration when he scored that goal was a joy to behold in itself. And he has become a, a phenomenal player. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, let me bring Tony in there next. Um, Tony, I'm going to say, if you want to talk about Haaland or Haaland's comment about Haaland, you can. If you'd rather take it in another direction, feel free to do so. But you've heard the setup. You've heard what the guys have said. You've heard what I've got to say. The floor is now yours. Um, I mean, obviously, I totally agree with uh, Paul and obviously comments uh, again made by Toby regards to um, Haaland um, as comments. Um, I have um, heard them and I, I I agree. I think what he does, this is Harlan, not Harland. I think he does watch the game in a different way. And I think he, he takes a lot out of the game and he kind of um, is looking for um, <clears throat> areas in which um, that not everybody kind of sees. So he, he's looking for me, he looks for a new angle all the time, which is great because I think sometimes you can focus on the same you know whether we play well defensively, whether we play well uh, in attack, whether our transition is is better, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I totally get where he's coming from, and I think it's great. I think it's great for him because he because he does like his own voice. I think it's great for him, and it puts him out there for for some form of exposure. So fair fair play to him. Um, in regard to Haaland, I just think what happens uh, generally as a striker, from what I can see. Again, having played as a striker, having played as a midfielder and a defender, etc., is that what happens is that if things are not going quite well, you tend to you tend to rush things. You tend to kind of you know basically put yourself in positions where you wouldn't normally go because basically you're trying too much. You snatch 
etc etc obviously yesterday you had a head like a 50 pence piece but you know these to actually he just needs to keep continue to get in in them positions and i'm sure well we know it will come and he's just having one of those games i think the uh the and may i say that the rarity in the sense that that basically he is new to this to this league and i think that he is uh, establishing himself he's come off the back of an injury i think sometimes that shows in his petulance in the way that sometimes he reacts and i think that's where defenders can get the better of him uh, by doing or by utilizing that kind of um reactive attitude that he has got in some cases but i don't think there was anything too much um wrong in the sense that that that, that we got the result we did I totally agree with Toby, Toby in the sense that uh, Rodri was absolutely excellent. And I think we were looking to him too because he does seem to be the, the go-to person in regards to that. Yesterday, for me, in the same, we've come off the bat of two really, really tough performances and games against Copenhagen and against Everton. Everton basically tried to stop us playing and therefore didn't play themselves. Copenhagen basically just tried to kick us off the park. Uh, and didn't allow us to settle in our games, but they were really, really tough games. And again, I think yesterday was maybe just one too many games of a similar type, too many for us. And I felt we struggled a little bit. I felt that sometimes we, rather than being that little bit more creative, there was a little bit of hesitancy in terms of the way that we passed. We weren't as fluid as we normally are. We kept kept the ball a lot longer. Um, and basically played little sort of ticky-tacky sort of football as, as opposed to playing a little bit more direct where we where we have and we feel a little bit confident. Now, whether that was down to the fact that we didn't want to lose in terms of possession and obviously being attacked on against us, maybe that was something to do with it, but I just think it wasn't quite there. Um, I think Doku had one of those games basically where, where we used to have a go at Mares. Um, in the same that he, he looks very the same. And I think he was quite easily marked at times yesterday because he didn't vary what he was doing ultimately. You know, there was times there where it must have been frustrating for a centre forward where he goes, you know, to cross with his left and then he checks and so on and so on. And that must be really frustrating. So, but he is again, he's young and he had one of those games yesterday. But the fact that we we stick in the game you always felt that we would get that chance and and we did and we got we got a point out of it so we move on uh, when i i think i titled the the vlog um, you know two points dropped and somebody sort of commented something like you do know there's still 16 games to go or, or whatever the number is now and i'm thinking well of course i do but experience also tells me that when we get to this stage of the season the eventual title winners almost need to go on these runs where you don't drop any points. <clears throat> the Liverpool game's on the horizon, of course. United's on the horizon. Still got to play Arsenal again, so there's some big games uh, to come. Tottenham as well, although we might flippantly sort of say, well, that won't be a problem, but you know they're all potential, in inverted commas, banana skins. Um, so to me, it feels as if it was too points dropped and especially the way that Liverpool and Arsenal had won their games. Um, what where did the three of you where do you sit in terms of whether there was any damage done by that result yesterday? Paul. Then on reflection, what Tony's just said was was 
exactly what I was thinking afterwards. Um, we've come back after hard games and, and all the rest of it. So, and we've got to give Chelsea credit. I think the problem is, is because because Chelsea's been hammered recently in certain games. We were expecting us just to walk all over them because where they are in the league. Well, let's not forget we're we're the champions of the world, champions of Europe, champions of the world, and it's it's everybody's cup final when they come to May uh, May Road when they come to the Etihad to play us. Um, so th- you could see their fans yesterday. They thought they'd won it. They thought they'd won the game. The 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 players went. The Chelsea players when they kicked, when they, they made a tackle, they were high fiving each other. They were going mad. That's what it meant to a, a team like Chelsea to come to the Etihad and get a point. So every game's going to be like that. So I felt we'd lost two points, but like you say, there's a hell of a long way to go with this. This and there's loads of twists and turns yet. There's loads of people dropping points and gaining points where they shouldn't have them. So, no, it's um, it's 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 exciting. It's exciting for a change to be, you know, to have a few teams in it. You know, they're looking over both shoulders as opposed to, you know, just like watching what Liverpool are doing. It's it's great. And I was watching the uh, Liverpool, sorry, the United uh, Luton game this afternoon. It was littered with mistakes, and Gary Neville was on uh, core commentary. And I thought, but he's enjoying this game more than the City game because he slagged off the City game the other day and saying that it was boring because, um, sort of basically, without saying these words, City are too good. Uh, what did you make of those, uh, Toby, those comments? I, I've I said this before, right? And it, it's really, it, it annoys me when people go, oh, City play boring football. Well, yeah, we play boring football because we sit on top of the opposition because all they do, especially when they come to the Etihad, is park the bus. And that's what Chelsea That's what Chelsea did. They, they're exactly the same as Everton the week before. They came to not let us play our game. Same as we, we did when we went to Stamford Bridge. They sit back. They, they, you can know, I disagree? Can I, just to, for the purposes of the debate as much as anything, right? No, yeah, I'm going to disagree with you, but I, I actually do believe this. I thought that what the thing that was different about Chelsea and the reason why they gave City problems was because they didn't sit on the back foot and they didn't play it like Everton. And actually, they came looking to win the game and actually were brave. And when they, when they went forward occasionally, they threw three or four players forward rather than the ones and twos that they did. And I thought in Gallagher, they had a player who covered so much ground and led the, the, the their press and, and their charge a lot more. And I thought that's why City struggled a little bit yesterday uh, until they got a little bit more to terms with it and went toe-to-toe in the second half. Clearly, Toby, though, you don't agree with that. Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't really categorise 70% possession against 30 as, as not sitting back. I agree with you in the sense that's, that... That, that have... proves that statistics are still right at the top of this debate. <laughs> <aren't they? laughs> that's not I'm how ju- I I'm saw just, it at all. I'm just saying, there are time for stats and there are time not for stats, but that's that, that's that proves my point because... And that's what we do in games, right? That's what we've seen. We've seen, and we see us play through opposition. And, and my point is, and I've made this multiple times, is teams 
do come to the Etihad and they sit back and we sit on top of them. And then City say, uh, people say we City play boring football. Well, yeah, because we can't play a million, a million miles an hour every single minute of every single game. And we can't just play through every single team every second. It just doesn't work like that. We play our football when we need to. I do agree with you in the sense that Chelsea had more quality than Everton did. And they were braver on the counter-attack and they utilised that. And they utilised, as you say, the likes of Conor Gallagher and then Raheem Sterling and even Cole Palmer at times. Uh, if they had a better finisher, maybe they would have won the game. Um, but I still I still go back to that point. I still I still think that we absolutely dominated that game. And City don't play boring football. It's the it's the it's the style of it we're 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 made to play when when teams come and come and attack us. Um, I I just uh, it, it frustrates me when people say that we play uh, we play boring football. To be honest, as I say, City play boring football, Tony. I I think that you find that 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 tends to come from opposition fans, uh, from people who who obviously watch it not from a Man City uh, point of view, but I'm sure that was said. Uh, when teams are winning, you know, likes the the years when Liverpool and Manchester United were doing exactly the same. It was boring because they were winning every week, um, and that's the only boring aspect from their point of view that that is probably valid. The fact that we are winning every week, and so so be it. Um, I thought um, there was exceptional players, as you mentioned there, for Chelsea that kind of stood up. I thought Cole Palmer was excellent in terms of the work rate he put in, but he also um, didn't bow under any pressure. Um, he played really mature considering his age um, and coming back for the first time. So, you know, all uh, credit to, to the lad. I was really impressed with Gusto. I thought the fullback there played absolutely brilliant as well. And I think defensively, um, they were aware of, of, of what City pose in both um, set pieces and just positionally that they didn't basically um, maybe push out as they would normally do. Um my my criticism of City at times were knowing that they've got the likes of uh, Sterling and Jackson, etc. Um, on the break, I felt that we got sort of sucker punched a few times because we were playing really a, a high line on the basis that we'd be fairly dominant. And there was times where basically we were fortunate um, at the time that it wasn't. It was down to bad finishing, really, and good goalkeeping because I thought Edison had an excellent game as well. And there was at least two or three saves there that basically stopped the result from being uh, more in the favour of, of, of Chelsea. But once that was overcome and once we got into our stride and we tended to get into our stride once Chelsea scored, um, I felt that it, it, it did feel a matter of time. But obviously, as we said before, the longer it goes on, you just don't know when you think it's going to be one of those days. But ultimately, we I thought we got what we deserved. We got something out of the game. Um, and I think from a, um, a, a number of games that we've not uh, lost at home, for a number of games that we, we do in some way keep that run going at, at this moment in time, is so important. And I feel that that's what the players are thinking about. Ultimately, yes, we want to win, but we but what we don't want to do is we want to, we don't want to lose... So that mentality is there, and and I'm sure that will be the same when we play, yeah, uh, you know, Brentford on Tuesday. So, um, yeah, that that's how I kind of see it. I mean, I don't see the Brentford game again. I don't want to sound arrogant about this, but I don't see the Brentford game as being anything like the Everton or Chelsea games. I would have a home game against Brentford. I would expect City to win that game, uh, and then next weekend the Blues go to Bournemouth, and again, although on. You think, well, it's an away game and Bournemouth can be OK on the day. I would expect that to go the right way too. But then you look at 
what's coming after that, you know, which is a Luton Town away game in the FA Cup. I still think City will win that and go through, but I wouldn't be quite as certain about that one. And then, there, of course, there is that week when we play United at home, the Copenhagen at home in the in the Cup. I'm so glad that City won the first leg 3-1 to take a little bit of pressure off that game. And then Liverpool at Anfield. Does, does that feel like the defining week to you, Paul, of this season or... Because it is only six points and and obviously the Champions League you would expect them to progress. I mean, I'm sure you and, and Paul, uh, sorry, you and John and, and Barry and, you know, me will be going somewhere in the quarterfinals because we travel together in the Champions League. So that one does look as if it's done. But United at home, Liverpool away. Could that define our season that week? Um, I think a psychological blow of losing or dropping points to, to one of those teams or both of those teams, that could be the key issue. Um, you know, I, I, how did United get on today, by the way? Because I genuinely haven't watched it. So uh, they, they won at Luton. Oh, right. Okay. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're having their resurgence now, aren't they? You know, they're, they're title contenders again. If you listen to the papers, um, all's going to be, you know, great. Klopp. I mean, I saw some of the game yesterday at Liverpool and um, uh, some of the refereeing decisions again. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not for conspiracy theories, but come on, how's does VR, VAR not give that as a penalty? It's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, you know, footballing wise, I think we can beat both of them, no problem whatsoever. My my worry is um, the officials and VAR. You know, if we get beat on the day by a better team or we drop points by the better team, fair enough. I just don't want any controversy, um, but I, I can see VAR and the referees having having a, a decision in it. Certainly, Anfield, our record in recent years, hasn't been that great, Toby, has it? I mean, obviously, during the COVID year, we got a great result, but overall, it's not been great there, has it? So, are City capable of going to Anfield and winning? Of course they are. That's that. Uh, <laughs> this season, this season, that's of course what I'm asking. Of, of, of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> there's no, there's no debate about that at all. And you, you know, we can, we can, we can sum it up and we can say, oh, the Anfield curse and all this. And of course, we're capable of winning there. Of course, of course, we have. I, I mean, if you said to me now, oh, you've got a draw there, would you take it? Of course, I would. Of course, of course, you would. And, and that's the key. And that's what Pep knows is that. You you win your big games at home and you draw them away and you win the games against the smaller teams. That's the that's the way they and that's how he's churned out so many titles um, with that formula. That game, I mean, we, we've had so many times on this podcast and on the radio show that we used to do, Ian, and and all that when we've gone. This is a season defining week. I remember it with Atletico Madrid. I think we had Atletico Madrid Liverpool and it might have even been a Man United in that week as well um, a few years ago. We've said it so many times uh, and, you know, Tony and Paul talk about the psychological side of things and I, I agree to an extent, but I, I honestly don't think these guys feel the psychological effect anymore. I, I really don't. They're, they're, I think they're the most mentally strong team in the Premier League. And that's my opinion. Uh, you know, they just seem to come through everything. I mean, I, I said on the podcast a few weeks ago that they have, there was that picture that came out of the training ground that has, uh, that has written on one of the walls in the training ground. Um, no team has won four successive Premier Leagues 
dot 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 yet and we had the the, the champion our goal the champions league the premier league and the fa cup all passed it out in the physio room last season so i don't think mentality is the problem with with the club i think they've got that down they know mentally they know where they need to be and i think it's a good group ultimately as well uh, i don't think there's there's bad eggs in there or you'd hope to think there wasn't bad eggs in there you'd, you'd like to think complacency won't be an issue i think there's been times this season where that's shown um, but Anfield is going to be a big. It's going to play a big factor. Um, I think they're looking at looking at the two who are against us. I think they're the bigger challengers over Arsenal. No disrespect to Arsenal there. I just think, in terms of longevity, we have been in title races with Liverpool before, and we know that every single point matters. And I was speaking to one of my mates yesterday. I was only a, and he went, "Oh, it's only a draw. You should be happy with that." I said. In the, in these total races with Liverpool, a draw is a loss, as far as I'm concerned. As far as every, pretty much every City fan knows, being in these little duels with with Liverpool, and it's fantastic, it's brilliant, and when you win it, it's amazing. But we haven't lost one of these yet against the against them, and we've done it twice. We've gone down to the final day, and God, you know, in two months, three months' time, maybe Rodri scores in the last minute, as he always does, and it wins us the title. But it, it's going to go down to the wire and 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 I've got to say as a neutral it's so much better to have a title where you've got so many more protagonists where it feels like such a better title race you know we've had it even years gone by where we've had United um, or we've been miles ahead I mean you know you get to a few games left till the end even last season we we won the league what two three games for the end of the season and you know even though it was fantastic and it's great we won the treble you like to have that final day drama you know Brighton away go one nil down to a Glenn Murray header and then we have to come back Aston Villa two goals down with the perfect fairy tale ending Felipe Coutinho with Steven Gerrard as manager so for Liverpool to win the league no thanks rip up the scripts and win the league so Look, it's 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 great to see, and I think this will go down to the final day. And Liverpool, Liverpool away, and Arsenal at home are going to be the two night before the two days that define whether we're going to be in that. Surely, if we've got to beat West Ham at home on the last day of the season, the deal's done already. But they do us favours, by the way. They've done us favours in title races before, <laughs> so just come on, guys, one more. <laughs> Tony, last week on the the podcast, Brian Horton uh, felt seemed anyway fairly relaxed about a, another treble this season. Is he right? I think relaxed may be a bit too um, a bit too kind of a, a relaxed opinion, a bit too confident in some ways. But I think um, as we've all alluded to, and Toby especially just before, the side, the squad have got that mentality to do that. Um, and I think that um, in terms of looking at the certain games where we just mentioned Arsenal, Liverpool, etc. And I don't want to sound like an old cliche, but we have literally got to take one game at a time. Um, I, the, the issue you mentioned previously, uh, Ian, was that, uh, not an issue, sorry, the, the, um, the comment that you made earlier, that third goal against Copenhagen is so important because what it does do, it actually makes decisions for us in terms of that game and the pre the, the 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 game after there as well so i think that was so important you could see the relief on the boys getting that extra goal so that thing that's it that's really really important and i think that will allow us to to um rotate the squad a little bit more um we are now playing probably until about the 17th of march pretty much um, a game every three four days so it is important that one we have everybody up to up to speed, fitness, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, but where we can take these chances to put extra goals on on the cards, as it were, it's important to do so. It's interesting that goal difference has not really been mentioned for a while now, but um, Arsenal have scored probably 11 goals in the last couple of games, and I think they may have taken overs in terms of, of goals uh, now. I think we will get opportunities like that. And I expect us on on some of these games to actually start putting some goals together because I do think that it might be that might be one of the key things in in, in games. Um, in terms of uh, playing the Arsenal Liverpool, I still feel that the oppositions, uh, as Paul alluded to before, coming and playing the champions, it's more important for them to beat us than it us than us to actually beat them. And I still feel that. Even if we were to drop points against Arsenal Liverpool, we are capable of picking up points elsewhere. And that's the difference. I mean, it's not to say that we accept that, but that is the difference for me, is that we they would see that as a loss for them if they fail to win, whereas a draw would be we start again, we've lost nothing. We talked a lot on the podcast, particularly when we have international breaks and we get people on from 1894 group or City Matters or, you know, and, and look at things in a slightly different way. We talked about the atmosphere and I noticed at the game yesterday against Chelsea that the atmosphere was a notch up from where perhaps it had been previously when, when we were struggling a little bit, when we were behind the crowd really seemed to go up in volume. Uh, now, I know, Paul, that's all down to you, basically, because you're in the <laughs> singing section with waving your meat potato pie around, getting them all going. So I'll give you all the gratitude. But did, did, you, did you detect that as well? It's hard to tell when you're in the middle of the fans what it's like was when you're a bit away from it. It's like when I was in Copenhagen, um, I was in the press box because I was covering the game for Indian TV. And I knew people, of course, in the in the city's end and they said oh it was just all city singing and I said it's funny because where I was in the press box and this isn't to be negative but all I could hear was the Copenhagen fans who were very loud all the way through so it what it, it emphasizes is how it sounds different when you're in among the city fans and you were so could you tell that it was up or more than normal against Chelsea? Yeah I thought it was quite I mean it started off okay but I think it went quite subdued um when, when, again, it's it's one of those things now. We're watching, we're watching mesmerizing football, so you tend to you tend to do more watching of the football. Um, so I thought I, I totally agree with you. Once they scored, um, it it woke it woke everybody up. I think you know, the the fans were going through the motions, but then when the the, the players needed us, um, especially in the last sort of ten minutes where we were looking for that winner. Um, it was it, it. The atmosphere was great, you know, and everybody can do it. You know, I always say this about people. The people say, "Oh, it's because of this, because of that, because of the other." Listen, I've, we've we've all been to matches where the atmosphere has been absolutely electric, and it can happen, and it does happen. But it's got to be, it's got to be the right, it's got to be a perfect storm to get an amazing atmosphere. The players have got to be on it, and the fans have got to be on it. Once you get them two together in the, in the right atmosphere, it's amazing. Did you tell the difference, Toby? I mean, you are, if I'm right, you were not in the middle of the singing section in the South Stand. You were elsewhere. So how did it sound to you? Yeah, it, it's, it was a good atmosphere compared to some others yesterday. I think, as um, as Paul says, it's it's when, when they scored and when it got sort of into the last stage of the second half, 
um, it, it felt a little bit better. I mean, I've said before last season, especially there was, a, I felt like there was a special, like there was a bond between the players and the, and the, um, and the fans. Um, and as Paul says, when, when they needed us, we were there, there was that sort of that chemistry where we just had the right atmosphere for the right games at the right moments. We really gave it and the, the fans really gave it in the right moments. Um, Pep loves his away fans. He said that before. Um, and I'm hoping as well that this is, big picture big picture comment in terms of the future but I'm hoping that the new stand provides a little bit more atmosphere in terms of having a that long sort of bank like they do at, at Tottenham um, I can actually talk about that stadium now we've actually scored a goal there um, <laughs> but um, yeah it, it was it was it was a good atmosphere when we needed it yesterday as, as, as it was a little bit flat in the first half but once they got the goal once we came up for the second half it, it picked up a bit and um, as I say I think if if I think the, the, where it's going to matter is in the latter part of the season, in the big games where you get the Arsenal's, we get Champions League quarterfinals, semi-finals. You know, they talk about one of the best, probably one of the best atmospheres I've ever sat at a game ever is Real Madrid at home um, in the semi-final of the Champions League last season. Maybe, maybe, maybe narrowly beaten by Liverpool at home 2-1 a few years ago when we were in one of those tight battles with them then. Um but um, yeah, there, there seemed to be that special sort of bond between the fans and the players last season. I'm really hoping that continues into the latter part of this season because it, they, they do really, I mean, you see, especially Rodri, you know, with his arms out, you know, really jeering on the fans. It's great. It's great to see. And and uh, it really provides some special moments as well. Did it come over on TV, I guess, and you were watching the game on TV, Tony? Yeah, I was. And and I'm going to give um, a shout out to the family stand because obviously that's where I am most of the time when I, when I am there. And you do, in certain games, you can feel the difference even being in, in there. And I say that in a way that, that, that obviously is slightly different, obviously, when you've got families in there and the atmosphere, it, it, you know, can be different. But certainly... Um, Tottenham in that in the in the in the game that we obviously should have won in the uh, Champions League, that atmosphere was probably one of the best I remember actually being in that where everybody was pretty much stood up pretty much all 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 the way in, in, towards the end of that second half and so on and the Real Madrid etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, but yes, obviously yesterday I watched it on TV and you could and I think I kind of alluded to the fact that that it did seem to pick up a notch when um, Chelsea had scored. You felt that there was that 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 was what was needed, and and basically the uh, the players um, and the supporters were in sync. I totally agree with what uh, Toby said. There is there is that connection there, and I think the players of the day are aware of that, uh, and I think that is is going to be massive, whether we're playing at home or away. Is 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 that being in sync together? Because there isn't many times. I know. I know. Uh, Pepper's often been criticised in terms of trying to, you know, the G up the, the support ultimately, but he knows it's there. And I think he does that purely to get an additional kind of boost and reaction, um, you know, for, for, for the City fans ultimately there as well. So um, I, I think that, that basically, yes, the atmosphere yesterday did seem a little bit subdued before. And I don't know whether it's because it's the morning kickoff, which obviously I know Liverpool tend to moan about that that kickoff time in in terms of that, and whether that was something to do with it. But I also think as well, and I think Paul alluded to it at the beginning, we come there expecting, and it, it's funny on some of them teams over the years that have been dominant for the length of time we are. Sometimes you go there and say, right, come on, let's entertain us, and realise that you as a supporter play just as big a part in it. And I think sometimes we have to realise that because it is easy just to kind of sit there and 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 watch everything unfold. But we do have a major part and we will do going forward for this season. 
one of the observations that that people won't necessarily know about if they weren't in Copenhagen, just just to bring you this piece of uh, inf information, is that their fans were all in position at their home end one hour before kickoff, and but basically um, chanting, starting chanting, an hour before, and there was very little entertainment outside the ground or even inside the ground. So it was almost like, I mean, yes, there were cheerleaders within the ground who were trying to get them to sing, but there wasn't sort of like, um, you know, interviews on a big screen or, you know, games with, with people on the pitch. Uh, and there wasn't really anything outside apart from people giving free soft drinks away or whatever. When I went to the ground, I didn't see anything outside the ground. Um, probably talked about this a little bit before we don't need to spend a lot of time on it but I'm just curious as to whether you know the way that football's changed particularly in the UK particularly um at City these days where there is always entertainment before the game these days it's at the West Stand reception um which is where they they, they play canes with the kids and obviously the team arrives on the coach and they, they make a big thing out of that I saw some opposition fans suggesting that that was a bit tacky today but that that's up to them and unless you've got some strong views on it but what one undoubtedly is the case is that you know that there is entertainment outside and even when you go in as it happened i was in the ground quite early yesterday there's always something on the big screen to keep your attention and then people walk and obviously people walk off the concourse is quite late too it, it, would you prefer it if there was less entertainment i'm not going to specifics of it but less entertainment outside and inside and it was more organic or or what, what, what or is am i just going up the wrong tree with this one no i think i think uh, i actually there's been two things recently that cities took a hammering for because obviously they can't get us on the pitch so they'll have a go at the empty seats they've had a go at the stadium announcer for doing the Harlan thing and you know Bird. I don't. They've had a go at him. I think he's called Alex, the guy. Um, they've had a go at him for doing that, saying it's rubbish, it's cheesy, it's it's horrible. No disrespect to you there, Ian. Um, but uh, and the outside again. I saw that about the outside. Now the thing is about the outside at the moment is that the 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 the, the, the sort of like the city zone or whatever they called it is the. Uh, where all the kids congregate and they do the thing before the game. That's shut at the moment, so they've, they're making more of a deal around the entry of the players. Um, is it any different to what Liverpool do, where they greet the uh, the, the, the the away bus with the uh, flares and all the rest of the stuff? Is that is that what they want us to do? I don't know. For me, um, I get in the ground late, um, you know, just before kick-off. There's nothing to make me want to get in the ground earlier. The food's rubbish. The beer's rubbish. The stuff they put on the screen doesn't entertain me. Uh, I'm, I'm not really into, into that. Um, if I could get in the ground knowing that there was more people in the ground and we could do the, the, the thing we used to do at Main Road where it was North Stand, give us a song and we'd go around. If we're going to do that earlier... Then yeah, I'd be up for that. Get the crowd going, get us warmed up, ready for the the opposition. Um, but to me, as a as a fifty four year old bloke, I I I don't want to see any of that. Um, but it's maybe for, just for the kids. I don't know. Toby, you're younger. 
You love I mean, yeah, the Americanization. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been to. I went to quite a few grounds last season. Um, I went. I went to Dortmund and Copenhagen and Sevilla and then Madrid as well. Uh, the season before even, and then Istanbul as well. And and saw the Italian fans with that. I think every country and every set of fans does things differently. I think. And and who are we to judge a, a certain set of fans and a certain country of the way of doing things? Me personally, I think Copenhagen is one of the best atmospheres I've ever been to in a football ground ever. Uh, in terms of away games, anyway, um, and and that's saying I went to Dortmund, like, and that was widely known as an incredible atmosphere. Um, that's I think it's called Section Thirteen, which is opposite the away, and it was just incredible. I didn't go this time, but I went last season when we played them in the group stages, um, and that was incredible. Um, absolutely immense atmosphere. I can see what City are trying to do, creating the atmosphere outside the ground. I don't have a particular issue with it. It's Marmite. Some people love it. Some people hate it. And that's that's absolutely fine. That's your own opinion. I don't mind it personally. You know, you, you compare it like Chelsea, of course, there wasn't a big atmosphere. It was it was chucking down with rain. It was, you, know, you can make excuses, but it's whatever. But, you know, you compare that to when we do it for the Real Madrid game. And, you know, we had all the flares going. Everyone was party atmosphere. It was amazing. So it works sometimes and it, it doesn't work other times. I don't think we should judge particular sets of fans for for, for their ways of doing things. You know, uh, let's just say, though, Liverpool fans and Man United fans have been going to town on it. Um, I mean, Spurs fans, I've had a few, seen a few Spurs fans going. I mean, Spurs fans play, play their chance through the their stadium speakers, just an FYI. And Liverpool fans and Liverpool fans Anfield atmosphere is probably the biggest fraud atmosphere I've ever been to, um, being known as one of the greatest atmospheres in Europe. And then he hearing them sing "You'll Never Walk Alone" and then absolutely nothing else for ninety minutes. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. So I, I I think every every club and every team and every country has their own different ways of doing things. And yeah, okay, maybe the atmosphere is a bit quiet sometimes at the start of games, but I think. I think it might be you, Paul or Tony. Um, like one of you, I think definitely one of you said it before that we're not we're not loud at the games because we're too busy watching the football because it's incredible. <laughs> so one of you, it's one of you said that before, and it, it, it you, you're bang on because we're we're too busy watching the amazing football that's in front of us, and, and who can blame us? So let's finish the podcast this week by talking about what's to come. And I was quite sort of dismissive almost of Brentford and Bournemouth before, which are the next two fixtures before our, our next podcast. What were you thinking, Tony? Are you fairly relaxed about the next two games or uh, do you have any concerns after the Chelsea performance? I'm still getting over Paul saying he's 54, but anyway, I'll I'll move on. <laughs> hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Do you think he was older than that? No comment. No comment. <laughs> I'll leave this debate to you guys. I'm not involved in this. But what you don't realise is that before we started recording the podcast, Toby was embarrassed to be the only one of the four of us with hair. And we're I thought I'm the old one out. <laughs> but look at looking at three mirrors here of uh, Tony, um, Paul, and myself. All, all pretty much we need his life on the podcast, guys. Like he's like he's like Rice said, Fred's reformed, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, with the with the Kajagoo lead singer. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. true. Have a look at his hair, Toby. Next time you Google Kajagoo Limal, and you'll see. Yeah. Go on, Tony. What were you saying? No, I, I think, I mean, in terms of, uh, as we said before, we've got, um, the, you know, the games that you mentioned before and in terms of, um, you know, um, how we are, what we're expecting um, and how we kind of move forward in regards to that, then I expect us uh, to go on another run. You know, we, we've done this so many times before and I think that the team 
just click into gear. They know what's expected of them. They ultimately know what's expected of them. They don't treat uh, any game different from from the next, and so on and so on. So I expect very much the the same um, the same intensity and the mentality as we've mentioned before is there. So I don't expect anything to be non expected. Uh, you know, we've been through it all. You've got to take that. And it puts you in a far better position when you've got the ability to be able to recall um, certain situations that, that you've been in before and you just make them better for yourself. So, no, I expect us just to click into gear and, and go on another run of 13, 14 games and let's see where we are then when we drop a point again towards April, May time. I don't expect anything, but what I, it wouldn't surprise me, my words were, it wouldn't surprise me if Haaland gets a hat-trick on Tuesday night against Brentford. That, that that's that would not surprise me. Um, Paul, what are you? Well, none of us have mentioned that uh, I think Harlan's uh, grand died. Was it this week, last week? So you know that that has. I mean, I I know I felt when my grand died. It was as close to me grand, and and I know how I felt. And you know that that must that must have come into his performance yesterday because I saw him at the end of the game and the camera zoomed in on him and it went up to him like they always do and he he pushed it away. Now, people were saying, I think it was uh, one of the Muppets on Talk Sport was having a go, saying, oh, petulant and blah, blah, blah. Hang on a minute, he might have been having a moment there thinking about his grand and he might have wanted to score goals from, in his grand's memory. And he was stood there and he was having a moment and the camera's in your face. I wouldn't have wanted that. So, you know, fair play to Harlan for that. And nobody sort of really picked up on that too much. And, um, you know, that could have affected his performance. So maybe... He'll be channeling that, and that'll come out on the game on on the Tuesday. So let's hope it does. Last word to you, Toby. Yeah, look, as uh, as both Tony and Paul have said, we've uh, we've clicked into gear when we've needed to. I, I just like to say we lost to Tottenham away again on the fifth of February. Excuse me, on the fifth of February, twenty twenty three, and that put us. I believe it was eight points behind Arsenal. And it looked like the title was potentially out of our hands and we won. So, you know, now we've got, a, we're what? Four points behind Liverpool with a game in hand and we've got it all to play for. We've got to play Liverpool. It's all in our hands. And, and that's when it's the most dangerous for any other any team who, who, who are against us in the title race is when it's in our hands, they've got a massive problem because they know that we get to February, March time and we just click and we just go, right, it's not pre-season anymore. Let's go and win some games. And I think Arsenal are more... I mean, I'm going to not contradict myself, but go against myself a little bit here. Arsenal are more dangerous than they were last season because they have found the form at the right time in that they haven't gone at it too quickly and then lost it towards the end of the season. They are now starting to find the form. They've scored 11 goals over the last two games. God knows where that's come from. Um, but I still think now we'll, we'll click into gear and we'll go for it. I, I do believe... I, I, I'm actually not going to Anfield this year. Thankfully, um, I'm away. Um, but I do think we'll, uh, we'll we'll win at Anfield this year. That's just my own feeling. I think we'll beat United. I think that'll be our winning streak. I think we'll we'll go and win the league, and it will be those games and those performances that will um, that will come back to. And games like today over this weekend, we'll uh, we'll forget. Well, with thanks to Counting King, who obviously are experts in what they do in the business world, R and D tax credits, business loans, and all the rest of them. Google them, R and D tax credits, and the company is called. Counting King. You'll find them at Salford Keys and they are the top of their profession, as are Amar Development UK. What I would say is whether City win a, a nothing, 
a single, a double or a treble this season, one thing is absolutely certain. It'll still be great to be a blue.